0: For the last, for the first year, almost for the first year, more than for the first year, I was, uh, I was preaching, I was praise leading, I was doing a lot of the things up here. So when you came here last year, you would see my face for two hours straight. I was just, you would only see me. And then uh, so we really prayed for a worship leader. And then uh, back in April, uh, Pastor Herman from our Seaside, I mean our Hillside campus in Seoul, and uh, his wife uh, Grace and their little baby Karis. They moved to Puzan to be a part of our church plant down here in Seaside. Now, he's from Australia. He's anointed. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's a very good singer. He, he's a songwriter. And so some of the songs that we sing uh, has actually been written by him. I, I, a good number, like three or four of the songs that we sing uh, in our worship sets, he, he wrote them. And uh, so if you would like to purchase them, you can get them, I think, HermanKim.com or something like that. iTunes. Or you could give him like $10, he'll go to your house, he'll sing it for you. But uh, right now, Pastor Herman will come up and give us the word. Let's let's welcome up Pastor Herman.
1: All right, very excited, a little bit nervous, but um, just really expectant that God's going to speak to a lot of people in this room. Um, And more importantly, I think the Lord's going to renew a revelation even for me as I speak, so before we begin, uh, if it's okay, we're just going to bow in a word of prayer. I just feel like God wants to just release just grace in this room to receive, uh, especially for those people in this room who've been contending and waiting in that place of barrenness. I feel like today God's going to release a fresh new revelation in how to be in that place of waiting. But also, I also sense that there's going to be people in this room who's going to today experience the Niagara-type breakthrough. Yeah, today, I just see barrenness coming off of people's lives, either the physical sense and also the spiritual sense. It's all tied in. So Let me pray. Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you so much for the work that you've been doing in our lives from beginning to end. And God, I thank you that as you look at our lives, you don't just see day by day or week by week, but you see the holistic picture. So Lord, even if we have a bad week or a bad day, We thank you that you do not see according to that day, but you see according to your faithfulness of our lives. God, we look to you right now. God, in the midst of our barrenness, in our weaknesses and pains, and whatever struggles that people may be carrying today, I pray for the fullness of release of your word right now. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Ghost, I pray right now for hearts to be open. And I invite you, just as Isaiah prayed, that you take the holy call of heaven, and just to cleanse my lips, that as I speak your word, I pray that it will go straight to the soul and the spirit man of every person in this room. So I thank you so much for this time, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, just as Pastor Caleb mentioned, uh, my name is Herman Kim, with a double N, uh, originally from Sydney, Australia, born and raised. I have a sexy accent. I believe it's very anointed. I believe it's going, I believe it's going to go to the ends of the earth. Uh, that is my dream. Uh, today, I'd like to preach a word, and the title of my message is Sovereign in Our Barrenness. And it comes from 1 Samuel 1, 1-20. So if you can open your Bibles right now and have that ready. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, as I quote, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. How many of you guys believe that you have an extraordinary destiny? Say amen. amen. How many of you guys believe that your life has a purpose? Amen. amen. All right. Every single person has an extraordinary destiny. You have a purpose here. God has sent you and allowed you to be on this earth post-Christ for a purpose. Okay? So today as we look into 1 Samuel, uh, or 1 Samuel, the first chapter, we're going to see an amazing picture of God's sovereignty in the life of ...of an ordinary woman named Hannah. And this woman, Hannah, uh, not only was an ordinary woman, but she knew how to sort after an extraordinary God in the midst of her pains and barrenness. I believe today God's going to teach us a lot of things about our pain and how to relate to Him in the midst of it. Um, Pastor Caleb gave me this opportunity uh, through PC to to be here and to preach to you. Um, As you know, I'm a worship pastor... So my natural calling is to, is to uh, lead people into praise. Um, this, is, this message that I'm about to share is not just uh, a song that I wanted to share, but it's a life message that I wanted you to uh, join with me. And it comes from this story uh, that talks not only about God's overarching kingship and his providential guidance for a nation, as you'll see in the book of Samuel, but this story is about you and me. Uh, This story is about God's heart for the one. And it is how he meets us in and through the darkest of seasons to walk us into our greatest victories and blessings. So whether it's barrenness of infertility like Hannah, whether it's barrenness of singleness or divorce, like many of us in this room, barrenness of your dreams and destinies, or barrenness of simply just waiting on God, of major breakthroughs, whether it's small or big, uh, my heart today is that the Lord will speak to you. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 1. Okay, let's begin. And the story begins with uh, Samuel's family history, verses 1. There was a certain man of Ramathaon Zophin of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, and Ephrathite, verse 2. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Okay, so already from these two verses, uh, there's a lot to be established, and there's three things that we can establish. The first thing is, uh, Samuel had really godly parents. Elkanah and, his, and his, uh, Samuel's mother Hannah, they were awesome parents. And not only were they really godly parents, they had an amazing family lineage. Actually, commentaries link the name and the, of Zuth and Ephrathite to the tribe of Levi, which means that Samuel's family had the Levites' blessings in his life. Samuel's family, just as New Philly would say, had the Levite ceiling as their floor. They stood on the blessings of the priests. They had every right to have and receive the fullness of the blessing, the Levite blessing. Okay? The second thing that we could observe is that uh, just as Elkanah had two wives, uh, Samuel had uh, his own mother. He also had a s- stepmother. And the, the reason why they probably had two wives is the obvious is because Hannah is barren. And because she is barren, uh, they probably had to provide a second wife. And back then, bloodline is everything. Just as now, uh, some some of us who come from Korean descendancy, if you cannot carry on the name of Kim or Chang or Lee, it's almost a heavy pressure and a burden that you must carry. So uh, we can observe that um, they had two wives... Um, the other thing that we could also observe from this uh, first two verses is that Samuel's family was actually wealthy. Now, where do I get that? Uh, simply because the fact that they had two wives reveals that Elkanah was a Mac Daddy. He could afford having two wives. Okay? Um, and so we are given this picture. And just to summarize, as many of you can testify, uh, just because you and I may come from a sheltered or a spiritually and even monetarily blessed family, it doesn't exempt us from life's most painful seasons. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you have the holiest family, the most amazing spiritual lineage. Somehow, way, we've all experienced pain in our lives. And let's, let's, let's make it a little bit more real. Just because you're a part of this amazing New Philly family now, we have an amazing spiritual lineage. We have three or four generations of, we have Pastor Benjamin, let me backtrack, we have pa- Pastor Christian, who's our spiritual father, we have Pastor Benjamin, who's our spiritual grandfather, Then we have Dr. Clement Kirby, uh, Pastor Daniels, and then we have another spiritual father on top of that, who is Pastor Kirby, Clement Kirby's. So that's four generations of spiritual um, covering and blessings and mentorship that we have this this uh, lineage of, but despite these amazing coverings that we may have uh, it doesn 't exempt us from pain okay that 's something I want to establish the fact is god isn 't in the business of sheltering his people from pain or barrenness, but actually Jesus actually promises that not only will we have many trials accusations, suffering. But some of us in this room or uh, some of us in our church, we're going to be facing death in the near future for the name of Jesus. Following Jesus isn't easy. Being a Christian isn't easy. Living in this world is painful. Okay, we can all establish and admit that, right? And especially as we draw towards the end times that the Bible describes, uh, as we see in the news in America, the earthquakes, the amazing uh, natural disasters that are coincidentally coming one after the other, the famines, the pain after pain. Um, as we head towards the end times, it's so important at this hour that the church knows the language of pain. Okay, Now, I don't mean in the, in the, in the way of being sadistic or being hopeless, but through the through the lens of God's sovereignty. And that's what I want to share today with you. So as we go to verse 3, I want to draw the first point with you. And that is, our hope is this. God is sovereign in and through our pain. Let me say that one more time. God is sovereign in and through our pain. Okay, verses 3. Now this man used to go up year by year, from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priests of the Lord. Verse 4. On the third day, when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give his portions to Penina, his wife, and to all his sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb. Though the Lord had closed her her womb. We might come, we might be, some of us might be from a loving family. Uh, some of us might have the most loving husband. And as we see in the picture here, Alkana was an amazing husband. Uh, he knew the pains that his wife was going through. And uh, despite it all, he tried his humanly best to support her. But as we can see from verse 5, God is sovereign in and through our pains. And what do I mean by that? I want you guys to underline this in the verse 5. Though the Lord had closed the womb, we can see it was the Lord that had closed the womb. Okay? It was God himself who allowed this situation to come upon her womb. Now, have you ever thought in the midst of your barrenness, okay, given that it's not pain caused by your own foolishness or sinfulness, that perhaps, just perhaps, some of the things that you're experiencing right now isn't from the devil. It might actually be from the Lord. That it might not be because of natural medical conditions or a family curse that you have to renounce or because you might feel you're not attractive enough to get married. What if, what if, just as scripture shows us, the reason for your barrenness, is the Lord. The season that you're in right now is the Lord. 2 Corinthians twelve seven ten, 10, Paul shares this amazing prayer and uh, testimony. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Even the Apostle Paul, a great man of God, a man who transformed not only the area of Jerusalem, but all of Asia, he had a thorn in his flesh, a sovereign will of God to keep him from becoming conceited. It was the law that allowed this messenger of Satan upon his life. According to the Bible, not only is God sovereign in the seasons of our blessings, okay, seasons of fruitfulness, there going to be times when you may have Abundance of peace, you have flourishment of finances, things are going so well. God is sovereign. Not only is he sovereign in those seasons, but as we can see from today's text, he is also sovereign in our seasons of barrenness. Okay. Let's go back to the text, verses 6 and 7. And this time I'm going to invite the women to read verses 6 and 7, if you guys are
0: all there. Ready, begin. Mm,
1: therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Um, culturally, in that context, if you can imagine, and we backtrack to the Israelite times, just like some countries right now, especially in Asia, if a woman cannot bear a child, uh, there placed upon her is this heavy stigma of shame, like cultural shame and humiliation. And oftentimes, uh, in that time, they would spiritualize it. Oh, most likely, Hannah has some sin issues with God, or there's some curse that she has incurred. So therefore, she's cursed. So let's just leave it at that. A lot of the times when we go through these seasons of pain, there is this burden of shame. There is this burden of humiliation that God allows us somehow in His sovereign to allow us to go through. So, here we have Hannah, a woman in deep anguish. Because not only does she have the knife of shame stabbed into her stomach, she has deep insecurities. She has inadequacies and feeling of sorrow. And moreover, her rival is found in today's story to be driving those knives of insecurity, inadequacies, and sorrow deeper and deeper. Not only driving them deeper, but twisting them. Grievously, year after year. Man, pain is painful. Even just cutting your finger a paper slip like like that. Ow! It's like Painful. All day, it, it like annoys you. But can you imagine? You have already an inner pain. God, I can't bear a child. God, I wish I could do this. God, I wish I could do that. And you have this pain. And then there comes a woman, a rival, so full of jealousy that not only does she highlight this pain of, of insecurities and of shame, she actually is the one that drives it in and twists it year after year, the Bible says. Year after year after year. And some of us in this room, you are carrying these knives and you are dealing with them. And possibly in the future, you may have to deal with these knives. And some of us in this room, we may have had a penina in our lives where they would not let you forget how painful a certain situation is, year after year after year. Well, today, through the Word and through the sword of the Spirit, may God bring great consolation to your hearts, as the sword of the Spirit is greater than the knives of your pain. For God is sovereign. For God has a purpose in your pain. God has a purpose in your pain. I want you guys to turn to your neighbors right now. And say, God has a purpose in your pain. That's right. Genesis 50 verses 20. This is a story of Joseph at the end of his life. His brother are pleading for their lives. They're like, we've done all these evil to you. Joseph, please spare our lives. And how does Joseph respond? In the midst of his life, his pain. As for you. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many should be kept alive as they are today. In another translation, it says that the very thing that you intended to harm me is the very thing that God is going to use to bless me. Amen? So the very test that you are experiencing or have experienced or will experience in the near future, your test is your testimony. It is the purpose of bringing salvation to the nations. Um, a lot of the times when we hear the story of Joseph, we think, man, that guy had a bad. He grew up into a family of brothers who were so cunningly mean. How could his brothers sell his life to slavery and have no remorse or regret? As a matter of fact, they would lie to his fathers. And only so, he was put in prison he was accused of adultery, accused of sexual immorality. He was accused of so many different horrendous things that we don't know about. He was left in prison to die and forgotten about. And yet, he had a dream. And God remembered. God had a purpose. Rick Warren once said, as I quote, Our weakness increases our incapacity for sympathy and ministry. We are far more likely to be compassionate and considerate of the weaknesses of others. That means other people are going to find healing in your wounds. Your greatest messages, life messages, are your most effective ministry that come out of your deepest hurts. The things that you're most embarrassed about, most ashamed of, and most reluctant to share are the very tools God can use most powerfully to heal others. So what's my conclusion? Our life's ministry is found in our weaknesses. Our greatest testimonies and how God's going to use our lives come from the place of weakness. Our pains and seasons of barrenness. Okay, not all the time. This is a way that God, God will and sh- should choose to minister. You know, a lot of times we hear by His wounds we are healed. But under the same theme, uh, we must claim by our wounds and weaknesses people will be healed and ministered to. You know, a lot of times, uh, the way that God's allowed me to minister to people and the people that God has brought, in, brought into my lives um, are the people who have gone through similar things. So a lot of my friends, we went through a very similar background. Uh, we had brokenness in our families. We went through dealing with drugs and alcohol and just dealing with hopelessness of puberty And just so much like pressure of having to make it in different ways. Um, But somehow, someway, uh, in my own brokenness, God allows me to speak to those people. And I believe in the same place, in the same way. Uh, And Just as New Philly, we see so many testimonies being released. God is going to release greater and greater testimonies. Where not only are you set free, but through your freedom, freedom is going to be released like a river. Amen? Okay, but one of the most important things I do want to share today, uh, despite focusing and talking about weaknesses, is that what's most important here is how we respond to pain. How do we respond to our weaknesses? It's one thing to know our weaknesses, but it's another thing, another level, okay, how we respond to our pain. Because pain will either end up poisoning your faith or purifying depending on your response. Okay. And you can see this when you see uh, elderly people. Uh, some elderly people, they are the most gentle and the most loving people in the world. You just think, man, how are they such soft and gentle people? And, uh, you know, a lot of them, they may share, you know, I've gone through so many difficulties in my life, but, you know, somehow I've gone through it, and this is where I am, and I'm very thankful and very happy. On the other spectrum, there are these old like very grumpy very angry people you just say hi and they're like why are you saying hi to me do you have a problem with me especially when you get in the cab and you want to you want to go one place to another you just sense that there is so much bitterness and anger within these people pain can either poison you or it can purify you you can choose today do you want to end up becoming a gentle elderly person in the future? Or do you want to become a person that hates life, hates people, so burdened by bitterness that all they can think about is hate? That is not the language of the church. Let me take it one step further. How you respond to pain will either harm you or heal you. Okay, So we've already established In this world, we are going to face many trials of many kinds. But how you respond to it is up to you. Is it going to harm you or is it going to heal you? Okay, let's read on. Verses 8 to 12. And I want you guys to really imagine this. Verses 8. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Verses 9. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And She vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the afflictions of your servant and remember me and not forgive your servant, but will give to your servant a son, Then I will give to him, the Lord, all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his prayer. So the second observation I'd like to draw from today's story is that God is sovereign in and through our prayers. God is sovereign. He is supreme. He has full authority. He knows all in and through our prayers. Verses 12. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed the mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips were moving and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been Pouring out my soul before the Lord. I want you guys to underline that, if you can, in your Bibles. Pouring out my soul before the Lord. This is a beautiful picture of prayer. Hannah spoke from her, from her heart, and not just volume. She poured out her soul. And I just want to encourage every single person uh, in this room, uh, whether it's past, present, or future, the greater the pain, the greater level of pouring that is needed. Uh, people say that time will heal the wound. Uh, I beg to differ. I believe that there is a, a arrow that God is pointing us today, and that is to pour out our soul. Sometimes in our day, we might go through frustrations, and we have anger in our hearts. God is inviting you right now to pour it out. God, that, that guy, he irked me so much. Man. Beep. Oh there's gonna be times when your family members they just they just stab you in the back and you just can't get over it. Day in, day out. You just have to face them. The same Korean word chanzori, the same complaining, the same over and Mom, can you just be quiet? Over and over again. God is inviting you to pour it out. Pour it out. Sometimes the pain is deeper. It might be a time when you go through a breakup and it, and it kills. It really kills. It might be a time when you've been coming out of a very hectic relationship. It might, become, it might come out of a place where you, you're dealing drugs and you're trying to become sober. It might be a time when when it's just so painful you just honestly want to die. Those are the times that God is inviting you. Pour it all out in prayer. All of it. Okay, I'm just using two little butts, but if you can imagine, the greater the pain, it might be a bucket that you have to pour out. It might be a huge, um, I don't know, like a waterfall that you need to pour out. God is inviting you to pour it out. There's two distinctive seasons that I can remember in my life um, that I had. Really felt like God. I just can't make. I can't make it through. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. And one of those seasons was back in 2005. Um, I was going through uh, just. Uh, how can I say? Just a really wretched breakup with my uh, previous girlfriend, and uh, she actually ended up marrying one of my close friends. And um, a lot of a lot of my friends ended up taking her side and just consoling her and actually ended up lying to me in many occasions and uh, backstabbing me. And uh, I just, during that time, I just felt the weight of like whatever it was, just the weight of feeling betrayed, the weight of like I can't go on, uh, not just because of the relationship, but just because the weight of the season that was going on. And uh, I remember going into my room and I just felt like God saying, I just want you to just pour out. And so I went into the room and I, and I closed my door and I just began to yell into the pillow. Like I just began to yell every other curse word that I could think of. <laughs> like, beep! Like, I can't hack this anymore. I'm just like, like I was just really, just really being raw before God. And, um, and as, as, as I was coming out of the room, I just remember distinctively um, a friend calling me up. And this friend was an intercessor friend. And uh, she through her giftings, at the beginning of our conversation, she said, Herman, have you you been praying? And I said, "Uh, yeah, a little bit. And uh, she said, Herman, I can just really tell you just had a really deep time with the Lord. It was such a powerful time. And um, I just felt the Lord just meet you where you are through every word that you shared. And uh, as soon as I heard that from her, I just had this great revelation. Man, God just receives it all. God just understands even the swear word and the motives or the words that I want to say in my prayer life, like He just receives the deepest of hurts. Um, how about you? I want to invite you to think about this. How about you? What and who do you turn to when you go through the difficulties of life? Where is the first place you run to? okay Is it? is it Pastor Caleb, is it Pastor Mina, is it to your small group leader, is it to your friends, some of us we might try to escape by eating a lot, go to a buffet, stuff our mouths, some of us unfortunately might turn to porn, that's the reality, some of us might daydream about our future girlfriend or husband or or wife. Some of us might be even planning a revenge on how we can take it out on our bosses. Who do you turn to first? Who do you run to first? Uh, My sister and uh, my wife, uh, the other night we were watching this reality show. It's called Let Me In. And it's a plastic surgery reality show. And uh, it was the first time actually that I was watching this. We were just uh, chatting and we bumped to this. And it was really interesting. So we get to this scene where these two ladies are uh, standing side by side. And the judges, they have to uh, call out whether this person is going to receive the extreme you know, plastic surgery, the, the makeover. Or this person is going to receive the amazing makeover. And so each person shares their story. So one of the ladies, they share, you know, um, I have a physical deformity where my breasts have decreased after I gave birth. And therefore, my husband thinks I'm ugly, and uh, she goes on to share that we haven't had intimacy for eight years. And can you can you help me out? This is my last hope. This is my last chance. So one of the ladies share that, and the second lady she comes up and she says that uh, I'm ugly. And uh, a video comes up of her, and her uh, evidently they close up on her chin, and her chin's a little bit out, and her teeth is a little bit um, not straight. And she shares, my husband has left me for four, four months and I haven't seen him since. And, he's, and he, he wants to divorce me. Um, he says he hates me. He hates my personality. He says my breath stinks. And on and on she goes, even my, even my son curses me saying that my breath smells so bad. And, and you can see the anguish on the heart. And you can also see like the way that she's trying to deal with it because she's trying to be strong. She just shares it so gently like nothing's going on. Like not even a teardrop, and she comes to the point and she shares her story. Um, she's like, "I'm here because I want to have hope. I'm here because I want to be beautiful I'm here that because I believe that through this opportunity, I can allow my son to better future with her dad because I want to get back with him and so she goes over th- she goes over to the she goes over and uh, she shares her story. And the judges end up choosing her over the other lady. It's really sad because the light switches off off the, la- the other lady. <laughs> and, like, it's so bad. Like, you just felt so bad. Because this lady, the light switches off. And, and, the, and the, she turns around. And then all the other, con- all the other judges, they come around and kind of give the other girl a hug. And, you know, saying it's okay or whatever. And, other, you know, obviously later they give this other girl a hug. But, man they placed the life of these two ladies on a pedestal based on this plastic surgery show, and I was so heartbroken. And only was I heartbroken by the show, I was so heartbroken by the fact that these ladies had no hope. Their only hope was, man, if only I could become more beautiful, my husband would love me. If only, excuse my language, my boobies were a little bit bigger. (laughs) If only my chin was a little bit more in, if only my eyes would look a little bit more uh, folded. Can you help me out? So anyway, she goes through this amazing trans- transformation. And uh, some of you guys might have seen the show or seen the American version. She comes out. She's gorgeous. She's drop-dead gorgeous. And she has this amazing body. They show her in her bikini. And you're like, wow, like this is amazing. And all the all the judges and, and the MCs of the show, they're like, oh, my goodness, like, you're just a new and brand new person and, and just really glorify the fact that she's so beautiful. And uh, later that evening, she goes to her husband and uh, her husband is completely transformed in his attitude. He's like, oh, before actually I wanted a divorce. Now I actually want to get back with you. And so the, the, the story of the show ends just with her considering. But here's, here's my take on this. And especially in this nation... Church, if the first places that we turn to for hope, for our healing, to be happy, is our beauty, is the first places that we turn to is to find happiness in having a good marriage. Okay, Don't get me wrong. Having a good marriage is from the Lord. It's a blessing. It's a good thing. But won't you hear me out? if The first thing that you're looking for in your life is a happy marriage perfect husband, um, financially sound life, if those are the places that you first turn to, then I guarantee that you cannot find your peace, you won't find your happiness, you won't find your comfort. As we see from today's passage, the only place that we can find true, true comfort and true healing and true salvation is in Jesus. Just like Hannah, this beautiful biblical picture, Hannah went through extreme pain year after year. What did she do? She turned to Jesus first. She ran to God. She took her deepest griefs rather than trying to find comfort in her husband. She ran to God. God. And she poured out. So we must go to our secret places where we can simply speak from our hearts and pour out our souls. And I want to share three Ps with you today, just to, just to close today's message. Because today's message is about God's sovereignty. In our, not only in our pain, He's sovereign through our prayers. One guide I want to give with you to leave today, as a guide to help you to turn to Jesus first. Number one, church, we need to learn how to pour out our hearts. The language of Psalms is an amazing instructions for us in how to know to turn to god in the times of pain okay this is a time where we just pour out our complaints our emotions how we feel these are the times that we need to be real number two we need to learn to pour out our needs you know first and foremost we need to tell god we need him secondly it's okay to tell him god i need this area for you to intervene whether it's healing. Provision, protection. We need to learn to pour out our needs, our need for him. And thirdly, we need to pour out our trust. Say, God, this is my heart. These are my needs. And now I entrust you. As soon as you are able to do that and you feel a release, say, God, it's yours. And just move on. You know, one thing we can learn from Hannah, and it's such a beautiful picture, and you can learn this in your daily lives. When she poured it out and her pastor blessed her, she just moved on. She went on with life. Before, she was struggling to eat. She was in grief and crying. But as soon as she poured out and she let go, she just moved on with life. It says, the Bible says that she went back to eating, and she ate a lot. <laughs> yeah. Some of us, once you have released the Lord, you just got to move on. Stop living in the past. Stop living in your pain. That is not your identity. God establishes you in a new man. The old is gone and the new has come. He's inviting you not to live out of your pain, but live in the place of praise. Pour out your hearts, pour out your needs, pour out your trust, let it go and move on. Trust God will take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Um, just as we close, I'll, I just want to share a song um, that I wrote back in 2006. I'm just going to invite Roy to bring it up. And uh, this song came from the closet of pouring it out, just through the darkest of days, uh, just feeling like I couldn't get on. Couldn't go on with life. Uh, let me just read this before, uh, for you before you sing it. And just to pray through it. It says that Jesus, my Lord, uh, my Savior, my Lord, and my King, insulted, rejected for all of our sins. Knowing my pain, he went through it all. So I turn to Jesus. He's there when I fall. Verses 2. Jesus, my comfort, my strength and my shield. Sorrow and sadness, he knows how I feel. Knowing my struggles, he went through it all. So I turn to Jesus who's been there before. Chorus. The chorus cries out, Lord, I need you. Lord, I cry out to you. My only refuge from this world. Lord, I need you. Lord, I cry out to you. My only shelter, my hope and savior. It's the bridge, and I turn to you, always first to you, and I turn to you, Jesus, first to you. Okay, Uh, I'm just going to sing this for a little bit, just over uh, this time of prayer. And uh, I just invite you right now just to follow along with the lyrics. And uh, you may not be in a season of pain, or you may not be, uh, you may have uh, experienced a trauma that some of our New Philly people may have shared. But what I wanted to do today was to give you a reservoir for the future, okay, whether it's a small challenge that may come your way, a trial, or a season of just intense barrenness. Whatever it is, I wanted to allow God to equip us as a church. When those times come, we'll be able to say, God, this is where I'm at, and allow for us to stand in the midst of the trial.
2: Jesus, my Savior, my Lord and my King Assaulted, rejected, for all of our sins Knowing my pain, He went through it all So I turn to Jesus, He's there when I fall Lord, I need You Lord, I cry out to You My only refuge from this world. Lord, I need you. Lord, I cry out to you. My only shelter, my hope and Savior.
1: let stand. Let's sing the second verse. Jesus, my comfort. Jesus, my comfort,
2: my strength and my shield. Sorrow and sadness, he knows how I feel. Knowing my struggles, he went through it all. So I turn to Jesus. Who's been there before Sin again, Jesus my comfort Jesus my comfort My strength and my shield Sorrow and sadness He knows how I feel Knowing my struggles He went through it all So I turn to Jesus Who's been there before Lord I need you Lord, I cry out to you, my only refuge from this world. Lord, I need you. Lord, I cry out to you, my only shelter. My hope and saviour, oh, and I turn to you, always first to you, and I turn to you, always first to you, and I turn to you. Jesus first to you, and I turn to you, always first to you, and I turn to you, Jesus first to you, Lord I need you. Lord, I cry out to you, my only refuge from this world. Lord, I need you. Lord, I cry, my only shelter my hope and saviour,
1: oh, let's pray. I just want us right now, invite every single person, uh, if you can just lay your hands on your heart. Just a simple conf- uh, confession, Lord, I need you. just whatever season that you're in. If it's a major season of barrenness and of waiting and contending, Lord, I need you. If it's seasons of dryness and you feel like God is far, Lord, I need you. So right now, I just want to Invite you right now, just as Hannah did, to pour out your heart. Just pour out your heart. Say, God, this is where I'm at. These are the barrennesses of my life and the breakthroughs that I'm contending for. These are the prayers that I've been praying for many years for the salvation of my loved ones. These are the addictions that I've been crying out for you to break. Lord, I need you. God, these are the relationships that I've gone in and out of, felt used and abused. Lord, I need you. Or simply, God, I need you. And secondly, right now what we're going to do, we're just going to contend just as Hannah contended for a breakthrough. If there's an area of your life that you've been crying out to God, God, I need a breakthrough in this area. Whether it's a housing situation, whether it's an employment situation, whether it's an addiction situation, you've been crying out year after year after year. And the devil has not left you alone to remind you how powerful painful it is, I want us to all right now to cry out, God, we need a breakthrough in this area. God, I need a breakthrough for my family. I need a breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. I want us to go to the deepest place right now, close to his heart, to say, God, I need a breakthrough in this area. I need a breakthrough. I need you to come into this place of pain, this barrenness, and to break in right now, God. So regardless of how loud you may pray or how Quietly may pray. I want us to go to that place of contending and asking. Say, God, I need a breakthrough in this area right now in the name of Jesus. Just as Hannah prayed and saw great breakthroughs of her barrenness, I pray for great breakthroughs to be released right now in the name of Jesus. Right now.